something that we've called, Pastor Luke was here last week. Didn't Luke do a great job? He did a, he did a great job. But um, we were, um, we've been in something, and the title of it is Seizing the Seasons in Our Life. And what we realized is that every aspect of life is about seasons, not just nature, but every aspect is, of life is about seasons. And we found out that when God created, he created everything to have and to go through seasons. It's his intention in, in not only our lives, but in nature. And I think for us in the North, and I'll call us Northerners, it's easy for us to see the seasons and recognize the seasons. But what we must realize is it isn't just nature, but it's every area of our life. It is about seasons. We're gonna have seasons within our life. And what seasons do is they do a lot of things, but just to name a few, is when we go through seasons, they give us the ability to have reflection in our life. And we stop and maybe we reflect, and then maybe after we reflect, we make adjustments within our life. And then what that does is it causes us to be more healthy and we we grow and we mature in the right direction. You know, there's no true lasting health uh, and deep satisfaction without seasons in our life. You know, when you, th when you think about it is relationships. Every healthy relationship has been through seasons. They've all been through. If you have a friend or maybe you're married or whatever, and you've had a relationship with somebody for more than 10 years, you can readily step back and say that relationship has been through seasons and what it's done is it strengthened it. Families, they go through seasons. Your career, it goes through seasons. Every business, every ambition, it goes through seasons. Everything that we buy, it has a season. We bring it home, we're excited, it's brand new. But then it starts breaking down, it's going through the next season of it just needs to be buried. How many of you, are, how many of you know what I mean? Jesus' ministry had seasons. Even our relationship with God has seasons. There are some that we sense and we see God much stronger in our life. We sense his presence much stronger in our life. And then there's other seasons where maybe we're not feeling it and we just have to trust and we got to do the right thing. And we have to put one foot in front of the other. Marriage, it has seasons. Think about it. There are times I've been married now coming up on uh, actually next month, we've been married for 38 years. Come on. I'm just going to tell you straight up. My wife has had to put up with a lot of stuff. And I have too. How many of you know what I'm saying? It, but when you, when, you think, when, you, when you think about it, is there are times in marriage that you're just feeling it. Oh, baby, it is just really good. And then there are other times that you're, ju you know, you're just kind of, when you stop and you think about it, you're not feeling it. And maybe you're, you know, you're in a spot and you're just say, you know what? You're getting on my nerves. How many of you know what I mean? And you just have to stop and say, it's just a season. Another thing that seasons do, I think that's really, really important is they reveal us. They really reveal what we believe and what our true values are. And in Genesis, this was a foundation scripture, we found out that God said that as long as the earth remains, there's going to be seasons. There is going to be seasons. Foundation scripture was Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1 and 2. 
It says, for everything, there is a season. There's a time for every activity under heaven. There is a time to be born that is celebratory. There is a time to die that's mourning. There is a time to plant that's work. There is a time to harvest that's celebratory. Verse 4, there is a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance. Galatians 6 says, don't be weary in doing the right thing for in that the right season, in due season, we'll reap. And so over and over, both in the Old and the New Testament, God said life is about seasons. And when we have a functioning understanding in our life about seasons, what it does is it moderates us and it stabilizes us in, 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 in both great times, but in trying times in our life. It, we can, we're we're able to just really just stop and we're able to keep our wits about ourselves and say, you know what? This is just a season. This is going to pass. This is going to move on. It's difficult. It's hard. And then equally, when we have a great season, we're able to keep our wits about ourselves and say, you know what? This is a great season that God is faithful. And you know what? I'm going to grow. And this is going to pass. You know, the, when you think about it, is these feelings or maybe these circumstances, maybe you're in a season right now, uh, this adversity or this problem, it'll change. It's going to pass. It'll move forward, and God wants you to have an understanding of seasons where you stop and you say, this is just one of those seasons. And we, we, it, early on, we talked about a guy, by a theology professor by the name of William Clinton, and he did a study on all of the leaders of the Bible. And his conclusion was that there are 300 leaders in the Bible that we have a lot of information that we can study their life both men and both women. And at the end of his conclusion, out of 300, 225 did not finish well. That's 75%. Only 25% finished well. And the reason was, is that when they had a season change, they didn't transition well. They're, they would make poor decisions in their transition or in those pressured moments. And, and they would maybe give in to feelings or a moment rather than allowing God's word and the Bible to navigate them in that season change um, in their life. And before you stop and you say, well, I'm smarter than they are. Well, they just weren't, you know, the sharpest stick in the bunch or whatever, whatever it was. Before you judge them, realize this, it wasn't because they weren't smart enough. Solomon, outside of Christ, the wisest man to ever live, but he did not do season change well. It wasn't that God's anointing wasn't on them. Elijah, if you study him, you find out, oh my gosh, they still talked about him in the New Testament. But when he would have a season change, he would struggle. It wasn't that they weren't good leaders. Moses led three and a half to seven million people, but in season changes, he would make mistakes. It wasn't that they didn't love God. You say, well, I love God more than maybe they loved God. God said about David that he is a man after my own heart. And But you look at David in season changes and he didn't make the good choices. It wasn't that they lacked courage. Samson, the primary reason is they didn't transition well when they went 
went through season changes in their life. They loved God. They wanted God. They had a relationship with God. They knew God. The list goes on and on and on, but it's got to go deeper than that. And so we began to identify what, we, what we'll call virtues that we must cultivate that will, keeping, that will keep us from doing something stupid in a season change. How many of you know what I'm saying? With it, that they'll, they'll keep, our, they'll keep our, our roots in something that maybe we'll regret later. And so we've already identified four. Uh, you can go online and listen or listen to the church app. But today what we're going to do is we're going to identify what I'm going to say is three words that are make or break words, especially in transition time in our life. And, and, and that if we ignore one of these areas, especially when we're in a season change, it will cost us. And I'm just going to give you the three words and then we're going to break them down. The three words are rhythm routines, and relationships. Everybody say rhythms, routines, and relationships. Rhythms are, you know the beat of your life. How many of you know? You know, you know the rhythm of, of your life. And when something gets a little out of sync, you must stop and adjust to get back in rhythm. If you don't do that, what happens is, is you know yourself, is you're susceptible now because you're not in a good spot. You're not in a healthy spot. Routines are intentional consistencies. They're disciplines in my life that keep me healthy. They're just, it's an intentional, it's a consistency within my life. And then relationships, those that I let close in my life. That, you know, when you think about that is they either help reinforce the guardrails that I know or they assist in closing my eyes to the cliffs that are at hand. And so there, it's when you stop and you think about my rhythm, my routine, and my relationship. And we've got to guard healthy rhythms, healthy routines, and healthy relationships. And to guard simply means to protect them. You say, why do I need to protect them? Because understand when you're going through a season change, what the enemy is going to try to do is get you out of rhythm. He's going to try to get you out of a healthy routine and he's going to try to get people in your life that will influence you to make a decision you'll regret later. And so what we've got to realize is healthy rhythms, routines in my relationships, what they do is they directly affect my attitude and my outlook and my choices when I'm in a season change. They directly affect it. And so we've got to guard them and it simply means to protect. And so I'm just going to back up right now and I want to talk about each one of these three. The first one, everybody say rhythm. Have you ever seen somebody that didn't know they were out of rhythm? You know what I'm, when they were singing, you know what I'm saying? You know, my wife used to, we used to do this and, and I didn't like it, but I'm a, um, I'm an obedient husband. How many of you are with me on that? Is, um, come on, Jack, I'm an obedient husband. And so she would say every year, she would say, we need to go Christmas caroling. <laughs> I would just be like, I'm feeling it, baby. She would say, well, if you don't go, you're the pastor. You know, she tried, she pulled that P card on me. How many of you know what I'm saying? You're the pastor and nobody, let me just ask you a question. Is anybody in here going Christmas caroling with 
my wife and me. How many of you know what I'm saying? Oh my gosh, she still loves to go. Okay, but look, this is what she would say to me. We would go to the door and we would knock and when they would come to the door, we would start singing. She would say to me, she would say this. She would say, honey, you need to go to the back of the crowd. That's what she would say to me. <laughs> okay. She would, she would tell me, she would say to me that my singing was so terrible <laughs> that I was throwing everybody off and it would just be better. You know, it's almost like saying, don't sing, could you just hum? How many of you know what I'm saying? And she would say that, but what it was is I was, you know, I was out of rhythm. I want to sing, I just can't sing. How many of you are with me on that? It's, okay. We'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Real, okay, understand this. A rhythm, this is a heart thing. It's an inside thing in my life. What's happening in me is way more important than what's happening to me or what's happening around me. What's going on in me? And sometimes we get so focused on what's going on around us or what's happening to us that we're not aware that we're out of sync on the inside. And on the inside, we've started picking some stuff up. In fact, what's happening, realize this, to me is going to be seen through the lens of what's happening in me. And so if what's happening in me isn't healthy and I've gotten out of rhythm, you're going to be able to tell because when something happens, I'm going to react based on what's happening in me. There's a healthy sink and there's a healthy beat. You know, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote to a young pastor by the name of Timothy. And I want you to look what he said in 1 Timothy 4, verse 16. He said, look well to yourself, your own personality and your teaching. Persevere in these things, hold to them, for by so doing you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Look at the statement he started with. Notice he didn't start with pay attention to your teaching. He said, look well to your own personality. Look well to what's going on inside of you. Look at what the rhythm of where your heart is. Because how many of you know you can say the right thing with the wrong heart and it does no good. And what we've got to understand in our life is God is saying, I need you to realize that the, the rhythm of your life is the rhythm of your life. Is it healthy? Is it connected? You know, one of the most, probably the most famous Psalms in the Bible was Psalm 23. I mean, you, you, you hear it read a lot, but it, David said in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. 
Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely or absolutely, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever." Do you know that that psalm was written on possibly one of the worst days of David's life? He's fleeing from his oldest son, Absalom, who's trying to kill him, but you can see that he had a rhythm in his heart at that, and what came out of his spirit was a perspective that was radically different than what he was in and what was going on. And what we've got to realize is that God wants us to stop and to guard that. He wants us to guard that within our life and to guard that within our heart where we stop and we realize, you know, there's an old statement that says this, if we'll listen to the whispers, we won't have to respond to the screams. And sometimes we're not listening to the whispers. We're not looking and just saying, okay, I know right now I'm in a funk. How many of you know when you're in a funk? You know what I'm saying? You just, okay, I'm in a funk. And we have to stop and say, okay, Lord, I realize right now that, Lord, I need to get back in rhythm and I need to draw near to you. I need to let your word begin to affect what I'm thinking. I need to make an adjustment because all of us have times where we're just out of sync. How many of you know what I'm saying? Where you're just out of sync. We're just like not thinking the same. We're not, we're just out of sync and we have to stop and say, okay, I realize right now in my heart and in my life that I need to make an adjustment. Number two, or the second word is the word routine. Everybody say routine, routine, Re routine. This is practical. It's practical in my life. Another word for routine would be my disciplines within my life. They, this can't be accidental, but it must be intentional in my life. Life is going to go on but my routines or my disciplines, what they determine is if I serve life or life serves me. And there's a big difference between it. The difference is if I'm just serving life, I'm getting whatever's dished to me. But if life is serving me, it's saying I'm not gonna relinquish control, I trust the Lord and I'm leading my life by my rhythms and my routines within my life. See, does my routine reflect healthy disciplines within my life? All of us have a busy life. Can we all agree with that? We all, but does my routine, does my disciplines, does it reflect health within my life? You say, what do you mean? Does my routine or my disciplines, do they reflect that number one is y'all, we are a spirit. We don't have a spirit, you are a spirit. And so do my disciplines reflect me keeping myself spiritually strong? 
Is there a discipline? I'm not telling you how long. I'm not telling you how much. But if you understand if your routine does not take into itself a discipline of keeping yourself spiritually strong, understand you won't be able to last. Does my routine reflect keeping my soul healthy? My soul is my mind. That's how I think. My will, that's how I choose. And my emotions, that's how I feel. Is there a healthy rhythm within my life because of my routine where I stop and I can say, okay, I've got some healthy disciplines within my soul. And the third one is my body. I am a spirit. I have a soul. And this is the house. You say, yeah, but ain't none of us getting out of here in that house. That don't mean you need to let it go to hell in a handbasket. Are you with me? That doesn't, that means I have to stop and say, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to challenge myself. When I was younger, I didn't have to do as much physically to keep myself in shape. Now that I've gotten older, I find that my, my self tries to gravitate toward things. And I just, you know, I used to be able to eat three Suzy Q's, four nacho Doritos and drink a two liter of Dr. Pepper. And it just went through me. Now, if I eat one, Susie Q, I feel like I drank a quart of 1030. How many of you know what I'm saying? You say, what's happened? My body has changed. It's changed. And I have to stop and say, is right now my life or my routine, is it reflecting me spiritually keeping myself healthy? My soul, mind, will, and emotions keeping myself healthy and my body. Look at what it says in Proverbs 18 verse 14. It says, the strong spirit of a person sustains them in bodily pain and trouble. But a weak and a broken spirit, who can raise up and bear? Notice the key, if we're all going to go through seasons, we're all going to have you know, seasons where it's just great and seasons where it's a little more challenging. The answer is, I need to keep myself strong spiritually and if I keep myself strong spiritually, it's going to sustain me in a time of pain. It's going to sustain me in a time of trouble in my life. See, when we're healthy and strong, stuff looks different and we respond differently to life. We respond. Satan will attack your routine with the best looking stuff. Were you just chasing your tail? Let me tell you straight up. If you don't have time in your daily life for God, you're too busy. Something's got to come off. Just got to come off. You say, how much time? I'm not telling you how much time. But what I am telling you is that if you don't have a routine where it's just stopping and saying, you know what? You know, um, and I realize I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, me and my wife are, or early risers. And I'm not telling you, some people are night people, other people are morning people. You know what I'm saying? Some people, it's like, don't talk to me before nine o'clock because even if the lights are on, there ain't nobody home. How many of you know what I'm saying? And then, But then at, at 10 or 11 or 12 o'clock at night, boom, they're just hitting on all cylinders. My wife and I's routine is usually somewhere between 4 and 5 a.m. Our biological clock goes up. We're getting up. I'm making her a latte. I'm making me a thing. We're doing our devotions, whatever, whatever, whatever. But by 8 o'clock, the same is true. The lights are on. 
but there ain't nobody home. How many of you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've had people come over and people hanging out and I fall asleep on the floor in front of them. And they say, they say, is he sleeping? And my wife says, yeah, he's sleeping. He's sleeping. You say, why? Because I have a routine within my life. So understand this. If you want to do something with me, the earlier, the better for me. You say, well, I'm going to ask you to do a bunch of things. Well, understand the lights are on and nobody's home. Are you with me? And so we just stop. And, and, and what we've got to realize is Satan will attack our routine with the best looking stuff because he knows that if we drop our routine, the outcome is predictable. It's predictable in our life. And the Bible talks a lot about standing. My ability to stand is directly connected to my routine. Satan will hit this with the most justifiable things, and we've got to protect it. You know, if you look at Jesus' life, even Jesus had a routine, and it says he did. Jesus had a routine. You say, well, what was it? Look at what it says in Luke 4, verse 16. So he, this is Jesus. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up and as was his custom. What is a custom? Custom is his routine. This is what was normal to him. This is what Jesus did. Look at what it says. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. What I want you to notice is he had a custom of going to church. Public worship was part of the rhythm and the routine of his life. If Jesus needs it, y'all, we need it, y'all. And, and it, was part, it was part of it. If you study his life, you see this as a reoccurring theme. Or th you, there would be another uh, routine that you would see is that would things just start revving up? I mean, he fed the 5,000 and the Bible says everybody is just like, he's it, he's it, he's it. What does Jesus do? It says he retreats up the side of a mountain to a quiet place to get some time with God. What you see about Jesus is he had this routine within his life. And when things would start revving up, he would take off to a quiet place and spend time with God. That was his routine. It was part of the way that he functioned. You know, sometimes when you study the, the crucifixion and you remember when Judas came and, G and found Jesus in the garden, I want to just ask you a question. Why did Jesus go to the garden? Why did he go to the garden? You know, we've been to Israel and sometimes when you read this, you look at it and you're like, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's a long way away. No, we're talking a few hundred yards is where it was. But look at what it says. Having, having said these things, Jesus left with his disciples and went across the ravine of the Kidron. There was a garden there which he and his disciples entered. Now look at this statement. Now Judas, who was betraying him, knew the place because Jesus had often met with met there with his disciples. This was a place that was part 
of his routine. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, he had a spot that he would go to get away, that he would go to connect. It was his routine. It was predictable. We should have a predictable routine that causes us to stay healthy and connected in our life. We won't handle seasons and transitions from one season to the next, burning it on both ends. We just won't. We won't handle it well. It requires me stopping and saying, okay, I realize it. The last one, number four, everybody, or number three, everybody say three, is relationships. This is my relational connection. This is big all the time, but especially in a season change. Look at what it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. It says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Now, think about that word deceived. What does the word deceived mean when someone's deceived? It means that they believe a lie, does it not? When someone's deceived, they believe a lie, and they believe the truth is a lie. They're, when they're deceived, they're, what it is is they believe a lie within their life. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody that's on the wrong path, and it's obvious, but they don't believe it? They don't believe it. And you can sit there and talk and talk and talk and everybody can say, you're on the wrong path, but they don't believe it. They're deceived. God is saying right here that deception in relationships is when, especially in my life, and please, I'm not talking about running around and being judgmental and critical of people. And I'm not talking about casual relationships, but I'm talking about those people that are close to you those people that influence you, those people that help you, realize this, there are some people that just are not good for us when we're in a season change in our life. They're just not good because their advice is not godly advice. You know, they, they, they have a way of tipping it toward our weak areas that we need to re resist. They just have a way of doing that. Psalms 119.63 says this, I am a companion of all who reverently fear you and of those who keep and honor your precepts. See, we're relational by nature. That's how God made us. Y'all, you need deep relationships. You need meaningful relationships. But sometimes if we don't watch it, we can go fast food on our relationships. When we, we get... We get what's convenient, what's easy, rather than, okay, I got friends in my life that'll tell me the truth, that'll steer me in the right direction, that we all need friends in our life that will, I'll, I'll use this term loosely, slap us a little bit. How many of you know what I'm saying? They'll just, you all need friends in your life that'll just be like, dude, if you don't stop thinking like that, I'm going to come over there. How many of you know what I'm saying? Because you're like, you are just, you, you, you know, when's the last time you spent some time with the Lord? Okay, that's the problem. You know what I'm saying? And, but we need relationships, but it's super crucial when we're in a season change, when we're in a transition time in our life, that the relationships that we have are relationships that reinforce our deep convictions within our heart and within our life. I'm out of time. Stand up, if you would. Are y'all still with me today? Yeah. Online crowd as well. You know what's amazing is this. 
I don't know what season you're in, but I do know this. God wants you to seize it. He wants you to seize it. Not run from it, not, from, not avoid it, but stop and say, okay, I'm going to learn something in this season. I'm going to grow in this season. This is a difficult season, but you know what I'm not going to do is blame it on everybody else. I'm not going to treat life as though it's not fair. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to seize this season because what I realize is all of creation, God talks about seasons. Maybe you're here right now and you say, I'm in a season in my career. I want to encourage you, push into the Lord and he'll direct you. You say, right now I'm in a season in my marriage. I want to encourage you, push into the Lord and he will help you in that season. I want to encourage you maybe right now you say, I'm just in a season with my children. I want to encourage you. Depending on how old your children are, you're going to have a whole lot more of those. So let's just stop and just say, God, I'm going to do this your way. Are you with me today? I want everyone looking at me for a moment. You're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You were created for a relationship with God, number one, before anything else. This can't be because of your husband or wife, parents. This can't be because of your boyfriend or girlfriend. You were created for a relationship with God. He openly displayed his willingness to restore your walk with him by sending Jesus to the cross. But now the ball's in our court where we have to stop and realize this, that a relationship with God will cost you everything. You say, what do you mean will cost you everything? Jesus didn't come so you could put a Christian bumper sticker on your car. Jesus didn't come so that you could just get this much. Jesus gave his life to get you, and now it will take your life to get him. He has a better plan for you than you could ever imagine. He has, a better, he has a better life for you than you could ever imagine. When you look around at the crazy world that you're living, let me just tell you the antidote is a relationship with God. It's a relationship. But you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never stopped and said, Lord, I need you. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life and to be the Lord of my life. I want to pray with you right where you're at. If that's you, on the count of three, I want you to just lift your hand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Right now is your moment with God. Between you and him, the Holy Spirit is drawing you. But only you can respond to him. One, I believe right now that God is saying, come to me. All you that are weary, you're burdened down, you're weighted down, and I'll give you rest. Two, we're going to all pray together, but this is your moment. Three, that's you. Lift your hand to the Lord. Say, that's me, God. God, that is me. I give you my heart. I give you my life. Thank you. Yes. I want to lead us all in this prayer. Say this with me. Jesus, 
I believe that you're God's son. I need you. I'm asking you, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Help me, God. I want to know you. Fill me, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.